Hello, my friends. Welcome to the How Are You Living podcast. I am your host, Nathan Chilton. I think we can all agree that life can be hard sometimes, and my hope with these podcasts is to help make it a little bit easier, providing you with information to inspire and empower you to live the life that you want. So the question that I'll ask you is, how are you living? Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Nathan Chilton. So a slightly different format today. And what I'm gonna do first is talk about myself, introduce myself a little bit more, because I've realized we're on episode seven now. And other than you know that I'm a chiropractor, if you have read the description that is, you don't really know much about me. So I wanna start off a little bit about the last decade in my journey and the obstacles and adversities that have been faced, particularly when it comes to to my health. So back in 2013, I was diagnosed with what they call a chondroblastoma, which is a benign bone tumor. It's an extremely rare bone tumor, and it accounts for about 1% of all the bone tumors that are seen. So extremely rare. So trust me to get something so rare. So when I first started to feel discomfort, so it's in the right side of my pelvis, it started to feel a bit like impingement syndrome. Um, I used to play basketball, so that syndrome is very common in, in that kind of activity. So I dismissed it for a little while. I started to train to do 10K races. I was thinking about starting playing basketball again, and then I started going back to the gym. It started to get a little bit worse, so I had a little break from all that. And then I started to have physio, some rehab exercises, as well as regular chiropractic care at the office I was working at the time. Nothing seemed to budget. So I spoke to my GP and asked if I could um, have an MRI. I tried all these other conservative methods. So what I mean by that is other methods other than more invasive ones to see if you can help with the problem, which always is the first port of call. But if that doesn't work, then we obviously need to explore different options. So went for an MRI, um, had the MRI, didn't think anything of it, thought the results would come back. And like I said, it would be some kind of impingement or arthritis, some wear and tear in the joint. I had a month off or two months off in between moving location from London back to the Midlands. And I decided to go to Thailand, something I'd always wanted to do. So me, my friend and our partners at the time went to Thailand, had an amazing time jumping off boats, jumping off cliffs, um, skipping over fire, I believe, and didn't think anything of it. The pelvis and the hip pain wasn't too bad. Up until that last week before I came home, I started to notice a little bit more discomfort, some pins and needles, numbness in the buttock going down the leg. So I was kind of glad I was coming back. But again, at this point, I was thinking it would be something quite manageable and definitely nothing as serious as a bone tumour. So coming back, had two or three letters in the post and a couple of voicemails that I hadn't picked up while I was away. And they said I needed to come in because they had found something unusual on the MRI. So slightly concerned, made an appointment. Three days later, I was in the hospital with severe jet lag huge holiday blues and obviously very concerned with what I was about to be told and the information that was given to me was the MRI shows some kind of lesion some kind of lytic lesion which basically means something that looks like it's destroying the bone at the moment we think it could be a bone tumor 
we're not quite sure what kind of bone tumor it is at the moment. With my studies of being a chiropractor, I'm quite used to the, the lingo. We have to study x-rays and we can take x-rays and we also study MRIs because we need to be able to read MRIs if, if patients come with a scan. So that made it a little bit easier to digest, but only a little bit easier because it was a complete curveball. I did not think that that was the diagnosis I'd be given. A month or so after, I then had to go to hospital, a different hospital now, a specialist orthopaedic hospital in Birmingham to have a biopsy, which was going to be the first of many. So this biopsy showed that the tumour, like I mentioned previously, was what is known as a chondroblastoma. So a very rare tumour, a benign bone tumour. So what that means is it's normally local, not cancerous and doesn't spread. So not only is this tumour rare, it is also a rare benign tumour that can spread, particularly to the lungs. This is something at that time I hadn't really given it much thought. Um, I was only really focused on the pelvis, getting that sorted. But this was going to come back to haunt me later on. Fast forward to 2022, but I'll touch upon that later on in the podcast. So once we knew what kind of tumour it was, I had to go into to hospital for a procedure. I was in there for about five to seven days, I think. Um, in regards to how invasive the surgery was, at the time, it was one of the biggest surgeries I've ever had. I'd never really been into hospital for anything other than a broken arm when I was three. So it was a bit of a shock, very new to me. Um, lots of unknowns, lots of uncertainties, new environments. Um, so... Even though looking back now, after having slightly bigger surgeries, um, that one does appear quite small, but it's all relative, isn't it? It all depends on your experience. And at the time, like I say, it was the, the biggest surgery I had had. So what the procedure involved was an incision um, over the right side of the pelvis to open it up slightly to scrape the tumour out um, with the hope that it wouldn't come back. I was back on my feet within six weeks, back at work. So a fairly small blip in the grand scheme of time and life. And it was soon forgotten. And I was back into the swing of work. And then I think two or three months later, I was back cycling at the gym and, and lifting weights. Life then carried on as normal. I didn't really give it too much of a second thought. And then through regular checkups, which I'd been having since then, just to keep an eye on it, to make sure it hadn't come back, because there was always a chance that it could. And unfortunately, in my case, it did come back. So on a routine checkup, it was found that it had grown back to the size of a squash ball. And that was the same size as it was discovered back in 2013. What we decided to do at this point, so myself and the consultant and the rest of the team, was to just watch and wait because it wasn't causing me any symptoms, it wasn't causing me discomfort, and I was able to carry on with my, with my life, work, leisure activities. So watch and wait seemed like a good plan, because there was a chance that it could stay this size forever, and nothing else would need to be done. So we watched and waited, um, and it stayed the same for about two or three checkups, which I was having every three months, I think. We then pushed the checkups to every six months, and in July 2018, I went in for a checkup, it had been six months, I was having no pain, no discomfort, even though the tumour had been shown to be growing slightly. The MRI revealed that it had grown 
30% in size since the last checkup. And even though it wasn't causing me any symptoms such as pain or discomfort, or I wasn't having any leg symptoms like I was back in 2013, the nature of the tumour and how it was growing still meant that something had to be done. Because where it is situated in the pelvis, it was growing inwards, so in a direction of least resistance towards your structures that are inside your pelvis. So um, you've got a neurovascular bundle, so your arteries, your veins, your nerves that go to the, the legs and other places. You've got your bladder, etc. there. So it was it was starting to grow towards that and it was actually stretching that bundle, especially the vein. Part of the tumour was also very close to the hip joint, so the hip socket. So something had to be done and at this point there were two choices. We had one that was very invasive and this is the surgery that I had to have anyway in 2022 which is called an internal hemipelvectomy but I'll, I'll touch upon that later on. And the other procedure was something slightly less invasive, a lot bigger than 2013 which involved an incision from the top of the pubic bone all the way round kind of to the top of the bony bit of your pelvis. So it's about a 14 to 15 inch incision. They open you up and then again, the aim was to remove as much as the tumour as they can by scraping it out, again with the hope of it not coming back. At this point, with past experience, I was very aware that it could come back. And again, it was explained to me that this hasn't removed every single cell. We've tried as best as we can. We decided to do the surgery to prevent the more invasive one. And the thought was because I was young, healthy other than this, very active, and also my job being a chiropractor needs me to be very active and mobile. This was a last attempt to try and avoid that surgery. The healing for this was a lot more intense. I was off work for four to five months. I was on crutches for three months. Six weeks of that was completely no weight bearing on my right leg. So I was hopping around on my left leg and the crutches. And then we progressed to partial weight bearing and then came off the crutches. So a very different experience healing wise compared to 2013. Um, it was very difficult. It was very painful. It really tested my mindset, which at the time isn't as developed as it is now, um, my coping mechanisms and strategies and what I do to, to help manage the health of my mind and my thoughts is a lot better now compared to 2018. And I think that's been a, a huge part in how I've managed to adapt and get the most out of this surgery that I've had recently in 2022. But again, this is going to be for another podcast about kind of why I think mindset is probably the most important thing when you're trying to do anything in life, whether it be just turn up and be the best person you can for your partner or become the best work colleague for everyone you work with, the best father, mother, or just to be able to better overcome any obstacles and adversity that are being thrown your way. So once I was fully recovered from the surgery in October 2018 and was back into the swing of life, work, gym, 
cycling. Everything seemed pretty good. It wasn't hindering me too much. I was able to do everything that I needed. I was aware in some positions that my hip was a little bit stiffer on the right than the left, but considering it could have been a lot worse, I was pretty happy with the outcome. At the end of 2019, just as I'd opened my chiropractic practice, on a routine checkup, again, they'd found that it had returned. This time, it was a little bit smaller than a squash pool, and they decided to do a procedure that was done through kind of a needle incision to almost heat up the tumour to kill all the cells or as much as they can to see if that would help. So this happened two months after opening my practice. Another curveball, but at this point, I was getting used to batting off these curveballs, learning what I can learn and moving forward. So we tried this procedure. Unfortunately, it didn't work. The next checkup, I think it was either three months or six months down the line, showed that it started to grow. It then gradually grew through 2020, 2021. It started to significantly increase in size. And then the last year of it growing to the point where we had the surgery in January 2022, it was becoming very uncomfortable and very life-limiting. It was starting to affect walking, work, cycling, all the things that I love to do, it was having an effect and really taking its toll. So it took a lot for me to keep my head above water. Self-care, which I mentioned in the previous podcast, became extremely important. It was vital um, to keep to keep my mind strong, my body as strong as it could be, to be able to see clearly with a different perspective and move forward as much as I could without dwelling and worrying too much about what the future holds. And I believe that self-care really did help, like I say, keep me afloat. And self-care is is amazing. It's a necessary. You have to care for yourself. Normally, when you are doing self-care from a place of ease with no added stress or adversity going on in your life, it can really help you thrive. It can really help you achieve your full potential. For me, during that year in 2021, it just really acted as an anchor. It gave me stability and helped me prepare for, for what was coming in January 2022. So I've been saying that the the big surgery that I had, so the internal hemipelvectomy, was done on the 10th of January 2022. It was, but it was in fact meant to have been done on the 29th of December 2021. So this was one last curveball thrown my way, one more circumstance that I could learn from, and I treated it a bit like a practice run. I did everything that was going to happen in January other than the actual surgery itself. So I definitely felt better prepared going into January. So back to December the 27th, you go in a couple of days earlier before the actual procedure to get yourself prepared, you have some bloods done. And because the surgery was being performed on the pelvis, I had to have something what was called bowel preparation, which basically means not eating for at least 24 hours, uh, making sure there's no waste inside you. So your digestive system is small, out the way, and doesn't block the area that the surgery is going to happen on. So that's something that I did from kind of the 28th through to the 29th. The morning of the 29th, I was saying um, a couple of goodbyes on the phone. I was actually 
doing a FaceTime with Sarah, who is my partner. And 10 minutes before I was meant to go down, someone came in to tell me that the surgery wasn't going ahead due to circumstances out of our control. And I am so glad that Sarah was on the other side of the phone because I didn't believe it. I thought it was some sick joke. Um, obviously it wasn't. So I went from being totally prepared mentally, physically, emotionally for this surgery to go ahead to be then told that it wasn't. It was extremely hard to digest a whole mix of emotions, frustration, anger, sadness, also a bit of relief knowing that I've got another two weeks to do anything that I wanted to do, spend time with my partner, read, learn, go for some more walks, anything really, because there were so many risks incorporated and involved with this surgery that, yeah, that there was a small chance that I wouldn't make it or we weren't sure to what capacity I would heal. So even though I was prepared for the surgery, there were so many unknowns on the other side that to be given another two weeks of guaranteed time, I was going to make sure to make the most of it. But for the first 24 to 48 hours after that event, I was drained. I think I slept for 12 hours. I felt really down, depressed, low mood, low energy. But the thing that really helped me here was getting back into some kind of self-care routine as soon as I could. And that really, really helped me utilize the next 10 days and get the most out of this extra time that I'd been blessed with. So again, the importance of self-care, so, so important to help improve yourself, better yourself in whatever circumstance you're in. Most importantly, to be the best version of yourself for yourself. But as a result of that, it will ripple and affect all relationships in your life. And two questions that I ask myself during times of adversity, but particularly after that event in December, was how can I come out of this a better person and what can I learn? And they are two questions that I meditated on, reflected on and really, really helped me learn what I needed to learn for January, but also ready for any other adverse event or circumstance that was going to be thrown my way. So fast forward 10 days, we are now on the 8th of January 2022. I go into hospital, all the preparation and everything that I did before was done again. This time I was more relaxed, calm, slept better, which really put me in a better place in a better position for the surgery because back in December, I hardly slept. So I was knackered, drained before I'd even had the surgery. So any extra rest or sleep I could get was going to be helpful. And I got a good six hours before on the 9th of January. So morning of the 10th, I went down to surgery. At this point, I still didn't believe it was going to happen until I was actually drifting off. Um, but it did, it did go ahead. Um, the surgery was eight hours long, very invasive. Um, it involved removing the whole tumor now and a border around it to make sure that it doesn't come back. So they removed, I'd say 75% of 
the right side of my pelvis, including my hip joint and hip socket, and replaced it with a titanium bespoke implant. So very, very different to any other surgery I had. Even 2018, that was quite severe. This trumped it by 100. Um, and I could tell. I could tell from the moment I woke up that this was going to be a very different journey to 2018. So the surgery was very, very invasive. As I mentioned, it was eight hours long. I lost quite a lot of blood drawing it. So afterwards, when I woke up, my blood pressure went, I'd say dangerously low. Um, I think it was 32 over 18. Um, and it felt dangerously low. There was a time when I was uncontrollably shaking. And then all of a sudden I felt very warm. The room felt very bright. And I actually thought that was it. So I took a deep breath, surrendered, and it was out of my control. I knew that I'd done everything that I could to, to get where I was. And I was happy with that and I made peace. Thankfully, I woke up. I spoke to the nurse and said, what, what happened? It felt like I was close and she didn't really have to say much because I knew what I felt but she did mention that she hadn't seen anyone's blood pressure that low. So from the get-go, very traumatic. I was in the high dependency unit for three to four days to keep a track of the blood loss from the drain in the pelvis. I had to have some extra units of blood. Uh, my blood pressure kept going low, nowhere near as low as it was, but because of that, I had to stay in that high dependency unit where you get that really close one-to-one -one patient care. At this point, um, it was COVID time. So visitors, unless I was desperately in need, psychologically, we could get people in. Um, and we managed to get Sarah in a couple of times in that first week, which was amazing. I can't re really remember too much about it, but the time that we sh she was there and the feeling that it gave me was definitely what I needed. But on reflection and after speaking with Sarah, she says I wasn't really in the room so basically I was high as a kite on all the medication that I was on to, to keep the pain at bay. But like I said, it was needed. And just to have that connection and support, it really did help. So after that, I spent a further two weeks in hospital. So in total, it was, I think, just shy of three weeks. The most difficult three weeks that I've ever had to endure. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sent me to some dark dark places i think i i felt what rock bottom felt like even though i felt like i felt that in 2018 this depth of darkness was so much more um but in those times that's when you learn a lot about yourself um and i did i learned a lot i wasn't too aware of this learning while you were in it but on reflection which is why reflection is so important you you figure out the lessons that you've learned and that three weeks has definitely changed me for the better and that's all you can hope for when you go through any experience adverse event any obstacle that you need to overcome is are you coming out the other end of it better if so it wasn't wasted and very few things that we go through as humans any experience isn't wasted you can't see it as a failure you need to learn the lessons that are being presented with you there's always a gift and I have had so many gifts during when I look back this whole decade 
but particularly since January 2022. And I'm still having them now. So we're five months into the healing process and I'll finish on one more curveball. So if you can remember back to the start of this podcast when I said there's a very rare chance that this benign tumor can spread to the lungs, we found out about two months ago that it has. This was a complete curveball. I'd had the chest CT scan um, on the end of March when I was back at Birmingham doing the week's intensive physio. And I remember getting the phone call. I was walking in the rain. My friends from California were visiting. I just left him and his family at the apartment that we were staying and checked the email because I had a missed call off a withheld number, which is normally Birmingham Hospital. And it was a message saying that they needed to speak to me. And we had the conversation and I couldn't believe it. I was shell-shocked. Everything was going so well to then again hit what it felt like a new rock bottom. And to add salt in the wound, literally 24 hours before that phone call, I'd been speaking to mum and she just informed me that she had breast cancer. It was relentless. So moving forward, the plan was to have a biopsy, which I had middle of June, which was way more invasive than I thought. It was extremely painful for kind of a week to, to 14 days after, and now gradually it is eased off. So at the moment, I can tell that I've had it done. So I had it about five weeks ago, but biopsy-wise, everything's going well. I'm a bit more mobile, um, so that's great. And we found out last week that it wasn't cancerous, it was benign, um, which is great, great news. When I got the news initially, I wasn't too over the moon because even though it is benign and because there's multiple nodules in the lungs, I don't think there is a way that it can be operated on. So from what I am aware, which I don't know yet, I'm waiting to discuss with the consultant, is some form of medication um, with the hope of stopping them from growing. But I can explain more on that when I know more, but that's where we're at at the moment. So that's a quickish recap of the, the past 10 years and the problems I've been having with my pelvis and the bone tumour. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed talking about it actually. Um, and I hope you take something out of it. I hope it inspires you and I look forward to speaking to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe, leave a review and share to your friends and family to help them on their health journey. Your support is very much appreciated and I'm going to leave you with one question. How are you living?